Welcome to the Pause Purpose Play podcast with me, Michaela Thomas, clinical psychologist, couples therapist, and founder of The Thomas Connection. I help high-striving busy people let go of the pressure of perfection to create more joy, connection, and compassion in their lives. On this podcast, we promote balance of a burnout through giving you the permission to pause, the curiosity to find your purpose, and the courage to play. Welcome back to the Pause Purpose Play podcast with me, Michaela Thomas. In this episode, we're talking about something which a lot of my clients repeatedly ask me about. How do I make healthier choices in terms of my eating? Why don't my diets ever stick? Why can't I lose weight? And rather than thinking about that narrative of slimming down or losing weight or going on a diet, Today we're talking about making healthy lifestyle choices to restore optimal health for yourself. So if your body has been telling you in all sorts of ways that you need to slow down, then this episode is for you. Maybe you're feeling exhausted or fatigued. Maybe you've got problems with your stomach. Maybe you can't sleep very well. Maybe you find yourself always craving sugary food for that next quick fix of of energy because you don't have very much of it. Today's guest is going to help you understand why we don't want to just subtract and take away any of these sort of quote-unquote bad foods, because there is no such thing as a bad food. Today's guest is going to help you understand that adding helpful, nutritious things into what you eat is going to make it more likely for you to sustain a healthy lifestyle, to eat well, to intuitively tune into what your body needs. So I'm really, really pleased to introduce my guest today. Beck Milligan is a nutritional therapist and emotion freedom technique practitioner with a special interest in guiding busy women from burnout back into balance, supporting both the physical symptoms and emotional triggers that the pressures of a fast-paced, juggling-it-all kind of life can have on the mind and the body. Beck has also got additional training as a restorative yoga teacher, and that means that the work she does around breath work provides a holistic approach to resilience for those who want to take realistic steps to live in balance. In this episode, we're going to think about how when we're refusing to go into the slow lane, we can be really hooked by old beliefs, old toxic narratives of not being good enough, and that can sabotage healthy food choices that we need to make. And Beck provides you with some micro changes that gives you the most impact without having to overthink and feel overwhelmed by the choices you're making. I'm really looking forward to hearing what you think of this episode. So do feel free to share it to other people if you found this helpful. Now let's dive in. Welcome so much to the Pause Purpose Play podcast, Beck. It's really great to have you here. And I'm really keen for the listeners to understand a bit more about what you do and how that's relevant to them. So we're going to talk a lot about finding ways to live healthier, more balanced lives rather than getting caught up in shoulds and musts and diets and fad things that aren't actually healthy for us. So start by telling us a little bit more about what you do. Oh, hi. It's so lovely to be here. And I think that's brilliant that we, you just open with saying all the shoulds and musts and all of these things, these rules. So yeah, I'm, I'm a nutritional therapist, um, a bank registered nutritional therapist. Um, and I have a few other strings to my bow as well. I'm an EFT practitioner. And I work with um, lots of different resilience boosting, I suppose you could say, um, practices such as restorative yoga and breath work. Um, and ultimately, I work with women, often very busy women, to help them get back into balance to help them live 
a happier, freer and sort of optimal healthy life. And there's a really important difference, I think, between um, getting people to stick to these rules and regulations. And I'm a massive proponent of, of personalization and individual programs for to for people to achieve their own patterns of their best health. There is no wrong, there is no right, there is no bad, there is no good when it comes to food and health. It's about you and what is going to work for you. So what would that look like for the busy women that you see when they come to you with these kind of shoulds or musts or rules around what is bad and good in terms of food? What would that look like? Yeah, so if you come to see me as a nutritional therapist, and, and what's a bit unique about what I do is I kind of offer programs that look at um, not only how we eat and what we eat, but what's going on behind the symptoms that people come to with. So there's quite a big difference between um, looking on the surface at, at foods and diet. That's not really what I'm into and not really what I do. As a nutritional therapist, I'm seeking to restore the body back to optimal health by looking at the symptoms and your whatever's going on for you, whatever's coming up as a clue to where the body is out of balance. I am looking to restore optimal health for women. So you may come to me with low energy, hormonal imbalance, fatigue, tiredness. And this is where I really see most of my clients. It's that place where they're just, if you were a phone, you'd be like 30% charged in your battery. That's what I always say to people. If you were Mm -hmm. a phone and I needed to plug you in, where would you be? And most people are feeling at 30%. They don't feel like themselves. They're tired in the mornings. They have energy slumps. They are having mood crashes, hormonal burnout. All of these things are going on. And when I work with nutrition, I'm not giving set meal plans. I'm not saying avoid food groups. But what we do is we look at what is going on within your body. What are these symptoms telling us about where your body's not meeting its needs? And then we seek to create a program through diet, supplementation, lifestyle. And then where I differ to, I think, probably most nutritional therapists is I bring an emotional element there. What is going on emotionally that is attributing and, and, and adding to these symptoms that you've come to me with? And that's the, the EFT hat that you're wearing as well. Can you tell the listeners a bit more about what EFT is and what it means to use that together with, uh, with nutritional therapy? Yeah, so um, emotional freedom technique is something that I discovered a few years ago um, on my path for myself. And it just transformed the way that I saw things and the way that I worked to help people overcome whatever symptoms were coming up in their body. Emotional freedom technique is a form of energy psychology and we work with tapping. You may have seen it. You may have seen people tapping recently and think, what are these people doing? They all look a bit, you know, out there. And I totally accept that. But we're tapping on energy meridians, um, just like in acupuncture, as we focus on a certain um, situation, a certain feeling in the body, and we work to clear and disconnect that energy. And it has been transformative for me and for my clients. So the way that I connect this with nutrition is we're seeking to explore the triggers and the root causes of the emotional impacts of the symptoms. And sort of putting this in, in kind of plainer terms, a very simple way to explain it is, is that we kind of all familiar with, you know, the gut brain connection. Very often clients come to me with a lot of stress. They're very busy. They're in flight or flight all the time. But the response from the body for that is to have a problem with the hormones or the digestions. So through exploring these feelings in the body with EFT, we can seek to find the triggers so that we're really getting down underneath what is going on behind it. 
you know, there's lots of research into how stress affects the gut, for example. And of course, our hormones, our sex hormones, female hormones, and our stress hormones are all drawn from the same pool. So there's a huge um, connection between stress and hormonal imbalance. So when I'm working with EFT, we're not looking at what you're putting into your body. We're looking at the emotional food that you're feeding your body. What are the messages? What are the beliefs? What are these external influences that are making you feel the way you do? So what I found is that with a combination of clearing and reframing these emotional um, elements alongside changing the food that we're eating, changing when we eat, changing how we eat, and adding these lifestyle techniques, we can make faster change and more profound change. And we can actually make lasting change because you're changing a belief system and therefore a body. We're not trying to change a body by um, forcing new habits. So it's really interesting of how you connect the mind and the body together there and make sustainable changes by going with what people are coming with, what they're presenting with, the symptoms, but also having long lasting change by addressing the underlying emotions there as well. That's like you're saying, the gut brain axis is something that we're getting to know more and more about. And I've had previous guests like Sula Wingas and talk about that in the episode around connecting with your body. So it's a good one for, for people to go back to listen to um, and understand more about the gut as well. Yeah. I'm wondering about the kind of the realizations you had when you came to EFT a few years ago, you know, have you had realizations about your own relationship with food and emotions that's helped you in your work? Yeah, well, with, for me, it's not what I think is really interesting is, and I think this is so interesting for clients is for me, it's so rarely about the food, it's about the emotions. But what I what I find clients come to me with is wanting an outcome to feel a certain way, to look a certain way, to be able to operate in a, for a certain symptom to go away. But then when we give a nutrition plan, or when I used to give a nutrition plan, that would be very, very hard for them to follow because of all the old programming that they were running on. It's very, very hard to change patterns to change habits if there's a, a sort of subconscious dissonance there if there's a subconscious running on a different program and this is where it kind of came in um for me so what I often say to people when they come to me is it's not about the food it's about your beliefs around yourself or your beliefs around how you can change or your subconscious effectively protecting you from change because change is scary right change is a um a threat from the outside world so very often it's those situations where you're you come and you say oh, I really want to I really want to eat really like this and I really want to get up in the morning and go to the gym but you don't do it because there's like this internal fight that's where the EFT can make the change so for me and my story um is quite a different one I haven't been a nutritional therapist or an EFP tree practitioner I haven't been in this world of wellness I guess for, for um all of my life I had a whole different career behind that and it took a kind of real situation of burnout for me and really not listening to any of my advice for me to have this transformation and get to where I am today so I do really feel that you kind of have to go through it to be able to use those tools effectively with other people you know you can only go as deep as you've gone yourself so um I mean I don't know if you, you would sort of want to know a little bit about my background but I I used to be um a TV executive, a TV producer, director, and then later on, later on a commissioner. And I burnt the candle at every end mm. that was possible. I worked super hard. I had hugely high expectations of myself. 
And I always had this little cycle of, oh, when I'm less busy, I'm going to be able to sort of look after myself a bit more, prioritize myself a bit more. And that included sort of eating well, self-care, looking after myself, meditation. And I had this craving to do it, this huge interest in it. But I just couldn't because I was constantly putting work first. But what I realized is that wasn't necessarily work. It was my own need to have that sort of perfectionism and that need to succeed granted so that was I was stuck in this pattern um, and I would burn out I would work for freelance projects that would be really really full-on and everything else would come after my work or succeeding or achieving and eventually actually um, I and I got pregnant which was amazing brilliant but I kept working and I remember someone saying to me you need to go in the slow lane now it was kind of a you know a midwife at the the appointment I was like, oh God, I don't actually know what the slow lane was. I really thought I had slowed down and I hadn't. And then towards the end of my first pregnancy, I ended up getting preeclampsia and pretty much having nearly a stroke. It was quite an extreme reaction, not, you know, not to kind of get out there, but I just didn't slow down. I didn't know how to prioritize myself. It wasn't that in the logical brain I didn't. I'm like, yes, I need to do the breathing and the yoga. And I'd even done some training as a yoga teacher at that time, but I just couldn't prioritize it so that was the the real turning point for me when that happened I gave I had my my son early um at 32 weeks he is seven now and he is amazing he's brilliant and he's perfect so I was very very lucky there but this set my trajectory off into a whole different path where I started to know that I needed to explore and this is where EFT came in particularly but needed to explore the roots and patterns beneath why I was doing that I would always been interested in nutrition and looking after myself. And it started on this journey. So I started my studying, which was about four years to become a nutritional therapist, alongside using my own, um, my own experience of EFT, where I started to identify and be aware of these patterns in myself. And that allowed me to actually start to make sustainable change. And the change didn't occur. The change really didn't fully set in for me until I got down to the heart of what was behind that non-prioritizing of myself. And really, that's these core beliefs that, you know, we all, we all have. But it's like I always describe it to the clients. If you're, um, it's like you're a shiny new MacBook computer, but you're running on 80s Amstrad programming. You know, the beliefs and patterns that I picked up through childhood and through working all of those ways, you know, I'm, it's not enough unless I work harder, unless I'm perfect, unless it's all perfect played through into everything, including not looking after myself. So that's where I really found the change. And then I'm now able to implement all the things that I wanted to do and logically all the training that I have for myself and then hopefully for others. That is absolutely fantastic to hear that because it gives power to the message of, you know, how we connect with what's purposeful and meaningful. You know, you found clearly found your passion through this suffering Mm -hmm. that actually so many of the guests have come on my show to have talked about their journey into what they currently do, mm-hmm. being connected was almost like a, a rite of passage through the hardship to actually building mm-hmm. yourself up again after the difficult burnout experience you had mm-hmm. meant that you learned from the inside out what this takes to recover, what it takes to restore optimal health. And I guess yeah. we want to be careful with that word optimal because what you've described is not alluded to that, but I can imagine, I know my listeners well, I know perfection as well that optimal can be seen as perfect and that is also not at all what you mean that actually we're trying to let go of those shoulds how would you think about the word optimal I I think it's 
so optimal is is being the best that you can be for you in the moment. I think progress is where we want to look at. Perfection is oh, it's such an unhelpful and sort of, um, I think it's like a prison. It's the prison of perfection, I often call it. Because the more we are trying to achieve some external um, sort of gold star, as it were, the harder we are in going to actually just relax and enjoy where we're at in the, mo- in the moment. So where I try and guide people to is closer to being in balance. And that's a kind of looser term. You know, nobody's blood results. And I work, I work with a lot of functional testing. So I have a functional medicine model to my approach. So I'm trying to put people back in body, through, balance through all the systems of the body, through all of these external factors. And we can improve on all of them. But every time we improve in one area, there's a shift in another area. So rather than thinking about kind of reaching the end of this race where the goal is perfection and we all kind of get this medal and that's brilliant, it's more like a symphony. It's more like an orchestra where things are going to go up, things are going to go down. And it's just, can we kind of ride that wave and just feel a little bit better today than we felt yesterday? And it's also celebrating the wins along the way. You know, I am always striving to help people feel better. And, and measuring that along the way as we go is really important because sometimes we even forget how far we've come because we're so focused on that goal ahead of being perfect and getting to the end that we miss the fact that actually we are enjoying life a little bit more each day and so for me it's the ability being in optimal health um, is the ability to be able to enjoy our life with full health and with freedom and to carry that into our life rather than being um, held back by not feeling 100% you know we can be at 80% charge on the phone battery rather than 30% And then Mm. we can enjoy our kids, we can enjoy our family, we can enjoy our friends. Because, hey, what's the point if at the end of the day, we've just got an award for working hard? You know, there's no joy in that. So it it is an interesting perspective, I think. I've had an interesting journey of perspective change. Absolutely. And hearing you talk about letting go of that prison of perfect is really important. I guess that means that the liberation aspect of emotional freedom Mm. technique, you get liberated from these old scripts and narratives and programs that have been running in your computer. And even if you get a new shiny computer, in which can be, you know, people who kind of feel that I once I lose weight and I'll yes. have a slim body, I'll be perfect, I'll be happy. But your programming is still not up to scratch. Your program is, is still old. And that's yeah. a bit that sounds like it's a bit of an updating that goes on that we can absolutely not wiping the hard drive because you are still you. I, mean, yeah. I don't know where I'm going with this metaphor about computers, but you know, that's it's we're trying to update the system to make yeah. it be a little bit kinder and a little bit more forgiving and uh, aiming for optimal. What I'm hearing you say is not that we're aiming for 100% all of the time, but 80% charged batteries is a hell of a lot better than 30. Yeah, exactly. And I look, no, I think the computer analogy is great because. Like you say, there's always this expectation when I, it's looking at, and again, we're not being present, are we? We're looking to the future and we're saying when I've done X, and this is a pattern I see a lot, when I've done X, when I've lost that weight, when I've fixed my sleep, when I've done that, I will be better. But we're not having a look at why those patterns keep returning because it's very often the same narrative. So I often invite people to think about this. And I had this as well. When I look back over the years, it's like I'm searching for a fix, a quick fix, a fad fix, the next rule or the next plan to follow that is going to get me the answer. And actually, 
for me, what I learned was I changed the programming and the answer came so much, much easily. The patterns are not repeating. Um, the narrative is not kind of on replay in my head that I have to be a certain way. You know, do I feel good today? Yes. Do I feel 100%? No, actually, maybe this could be a bit better, but that's okay. The bit that's actually quite poisoning and could be quite toxic is that ongoing narrative of not being good enough. And so things didn't, you know, even after training and nutrition and then knowing all of the foundations and all of the science and all of the things that should happen, I still found myself for quite a few years falling back into the patterns of not being able to do these things and then punishing myself when I couldn't, feeling bad. And it wasn't until I worked through with the EFT and the emotional freedom that I started to unpick some of those real core beliefs of striving so hard to be enough. When that dropped away, everything else was far easier because I was doing it for the right reasons. I was doing it for myself. I wasn't, my subconscious kind of um, let go a little bit and relaxed into it. It no longer needed to protect me from not getting to my end results. It's quite, it was an interesting journey for me. And that's why I love to, to work in this emotional, physical and mental three pillars with clients because very often they're, they're quite similar to, you know, they come to me and I can see they want something in their logical mind, but the subconscious has a layer of protection because when we're perfectionists and when we're busy and when we're striving quite hard, um, there's usually a reason for that. So exploring that is a really interesting path. And I guess that's then really, really important to acknowledge those aspects, those old scripts and narratives. Mm-hmm. Why we then address our emotions in order to make healthier choices about our nutrition or our daily lifestyle, how it's hard it is to do that if the narrative is still you must or you should rather mm-hmm. than I choose or it could be like this. Yeah, absolutely. And I think going and revisiting those old scripts is a really interesting um Technique. So most people know EFT. So EFT, we tap through the meridians while we're focusing on a feeling or situation in the body with the aim of diffusing it. And there's a very, um, I say familiar, but if you look on Google or YouTube and you see people tapping, the familiar term of tapping, we're just working on something quite upfront. But when I when we work one to one with emotional freedom technique, and I also use something called matrix reimprinting. We're working deeper into the subconscious to identify where that present trigger previously came from. And then we work through past memories to release that emotional connection. So it can be really quite powerful at, like you say, reprogramming and re-clearing that kind of, you know, those those old belief systems that are, are causing the subconscious to protect us. Hmm. And then I guess if we then make healthier choices, they're driven by a different motivation, a compassionate, kind motivation towards ourselves yes. rather than to be punitive, critical or competitive in our motivation. I guess that then opens up a different world where you can choose healthy choices rather than doing it because there's a way to punish yourself. Yeah, and I think when, it, when we bring it back to nutrition, so very often I'm working to create a personalised plan to meet whatever the meet the client where they're at whatever the symptoms are that they've come with and then we start to uncover things a little further so the biggest problem I was finding before I had um, this extra element was that people wanted to do all the things but they were finding it very hard to 
find the routines or there were patterns of little sabotage going on. Like, I know I should have this thing, but I'm not finding myself able to do it. I know I should make this change. And you'd think that, you know, on a logical level, if you don't feel great and you have a symptom uh, such as hormones, if someone gives you a, a solution, you'd think you'd be able to do that. But just time and time again, there were people, there were blocks. And so releasing those blocks allowed people to just much freely make those choices, follow those plans, um, find a balance without so much pressure on themselves and without so much disappointment when they, it's this thing, isn't it? Of like, it's all about willpower. I haven't got any willpower. But when we introduce this, idea of the subconscious being quite connected um, and being behind some of those decisions it opens a whole new world as to why we're maybe not making the choices that we should be making or Mm. should be not even should be that we'd like to be making you know there's no should or good there's no there's no bad or good and I think people often come to me expecting for me to say don't eat this do eat this this is terrible this is the plan this is the diet And I often get people so full of information that they're really confused about what they should be doing. You know, they've fallen into so many different rules and regulations because they've read them from all different areas and all different experts. And actually breaking through that and just finding something that is balanced and right for them is quite a powerful thing allowing them to let go of all those, you know, all of those controlled, controlled over, over fatty diets and ideas about what a diet is. And even that word is not something that I use. No, I think it has a lot of negative connotations mm-hmm. with it and gets our backs up just to think I'm going on a diet almost implies that it's a, it's a regime that we're doing for a specific period of time. And then we're done because we've achieved our goal. But, you know, as, as a lot of listeners will know that when we go on fad diets like that, you know, the, the yo-yo dieting can occur and we can even put more weight on again than we had before we started the diet. So it's because of the the importance of choosing healthy choices. It sounds like it's much more from your from your description here about what you choose to reach for, what you choose to feed your body that is healthy for body and mind rather than what you cut out and what you must not have. Because yeah. anything we make taboo, obviously as humans, we're going to want to have it. Absolutely. And my focus is on what we can add in. It's this narrative of putting in as much of the good stuff as we can. But also I will work to identify where the missing gaps are potentially. So we'll focus and I always call them hero foods. So I will include very key, almost like a prescription of foods that will be working to address certain imbalances that we've identified. But it's all about putting in the good. Yes, there are some things that might not be great for you and they're not going to make you feel good. So we'll talk about that. But the focus is in putting in more of the good stuff. The focus in is, is sort of letting go very often of these narratives and overconsumption of information. Because what happens is you end up with a mishmash of everything. Um, people following all sorts of rules and guidelines and actually not really helping themselves to achieve this balance that we need. And there's a quote, um, I think it's from Dr. Mark Hyman, who's one of the functional medicines. And he, he said, you know, food is information. What we put in our body is information from for our genetics and it's information for our body rather than, you know, putting, putting rules around everything. How can we think about putting the best and most nourishing ingredients in to have the best outcomes, really, and to feel our best? So simple maths, really. We want to just go for the addition rather than subtraction. The subtraction tends to happen when the when the addition goes in, when we put more yeah. of the good stuff in, 
we're more sustained, our nutrient levels are better, our energy levels are better, and the cravings and the habits tend to fall away. So I focus first on the good things. And then often there isn't time where there isn't space to put so many of the things that might not have been making you feel great in. And the key thing is that it's a process. So I work in programs with people because it needs to be guided. It needs to be drip fed. If somebody, if you go to someone and they give you a list of a thousand things to do, it's really, really hard to implement that. But actually what we need to do is bit by bit create the headspace for those habits to take home, hold and for you to see this change, this micro change is making me feel much better. So let's build on the next micro change. So that's something in resilience practices, um, breath work, lifestyle and food that I really embrace is these micro changes. What's the least, what's the most impact we can have with the smallest change? You know, what can really let us build and make that sustainable? Because it's life, isn't it? It can't ever be a set period. Otherwise, otherwise, we, like you say, we just end up punishing ourselves and getting into a cycle. Can you give some examples of what those kind of micro changes can be that will be impactful? Um, and, you know, before we started talking, we, we also mm. mentioned that, yes, this can be complex, full, broad stories, and we're not looking for clickbait, but mm. people listening often ask for what's the first step on this longer journey? You know, can you share some of those micro, uh, micro changes or quick wins that your clients tend to have? Yeah, absolutely. So I guess there's two sides to it. So I'll kind of try and um, think of a, a few, a few nutrition and a few EFT and, and things. I, I think... In terms of making something achievable and every day, one of the first things that I like, and like you say, it's broad. There are so many things and it's never one size fits all. However, there are some things that I see most people benefit from. We are circadian creatures and part of the whole process of, of achieving, you know, feeling our best needs to be about the nervous system feeling very safe and our body sort of learning what to expect. So Actually, one of the things I often focus on, and it's very straightforward, we do it quite upfront, is regulating when we eat and when we sleep and when we wake. So this sounds quite a simple, basic thing, but most people find they don't do this, especially when we're busy, because the body reads busy as stress. So if we're constantly wired in fight or flight, and then we're eating at different times, or we're skipping meals, and everything's all irregular... The body doesn't know what to do with all this information. So let's regulate it. So a micro change would be setting a wake up time, getting the sun on the face, in the eyes, into the pineal gland, first thing in the morning to, you know, start resetting that cortisol awakening response, having a set breakfast time. And if we're stressed and busy, really trying to eat breakfast, picking a set lunch time, picking a set dinner time and picking a set bedtime. So I know, you know, that that this circadian regulation would be something that I would look at as a, as a first step just to seeing how everything goes. And you'd be surprised how much difference that can make in the body feeling safer, you feeling calmer, and the sort of inflammatory effects of stress just coming down a little bit. People often say, oh, but intermittent fasting isn't that good. And you know, it's no one size fits all. It can be quite a big stress on the body if the blood sugar isn't balanced and you introduce intermittent fasting. And stress and blood sugar are very closely related. So when I work with stress busy busy people, we balance blood sugar as well, which is another tip. But um, to come back on track, so setting the circadian rhythm is a micro change. In terms of a nutrition, you know, obviously setting our meal times is a really useful thing to get to do. But I also like to talk about colours. 
And this is a simple concept and you can you can introduce it in as big a style or as small a style as possible. But the simple concept is that nature has given us a color code for all of our nutrients. Every natural color, so I'm not talking about, you know, <laughs> sweets and artificial colors, but plant colors are coded with phytonutrients, plant chemicals from food that have a whole host of anti-inflammatory, antiviral properties. And if we simply aim to eat a range of colors every single day, we can improve our gut diversity, improve our um, inflammation in the body and give our bodies more of what it needs. So that's a really simple top line change. And I even use quite often a kind of color counting chart where it's like, can we include our two green foods, two purple foods, two orange foods? By doing this very simple top line thing, we're giving the body so many nutrients. So it's approaches like that that I prefer as opposed to let's stick to this diet and these numbers and, and you know, this system. So there are two kind of micro changes on that side. For the EFT, I, as well as working deeper one-to-one with people to really un- uncover what is behind the emotional reasons behind some of their symptoms, and their symptoms are often stress and fatigue in the women I work with or hormones. I really like this technique called tap it to tame it. You probably come across name it to tame it, which I think is used yeah. more. But when we sit with, identify and are present with a feeling and we tap through it, we can just be present and release that feeling to some extent. And this is the most simple, simple form of EFT um, or tapping. And this is a technique I, I teach with people as a micro practice. So I encourage people every day to tap it, to tame it. And you might have a two minute practice or a one minute practice. And we're just tuning into what we're feeling at that moment. And it might be tired. It might be frustrated. It might be irritation. So we just sit and let the feeling arise in the body. Notice where it is. And I teach people a tapping point that works for them. So a really nice one that works for most people is a collarbone point. And if you just come into the collarbones, um, if you hunch your shoulders and you can just feel that gap below the collarbones, this is our collarbone point. And we just tap on that very gently. As we tune into what we're feeling, we just say it. I feel today I'm feeling irritated. And if you're tuned into that, you can take that down. You know, we, we start with a number. My irritation level is eight. You know, I'm feeling super irritated, shouting at the kids, you know, super hormonal tune into that. And we can often find that people say, I was at an eight and one minute I took it down to a two. So I love that micro technique. So that's what I try and encourage. It's something very small every day. And it's the same with the nutritional changes. Every week we have one or two principles that we just focus on. And how long do these programs tend to take? Or is that how long is a piece of string for each person? No, it is, it is how long is a piece of string. But I work, I work in 12, 12 week programs. Mm because we can see such substantial and sustainable change. I do occasional kind of mini programs, if that works for people. Some people are like, oh, I just want to tune up. I just want to find out if I'm doing all the right things and find out how to prepare myself for, you know, more resilient time, you know, for more resilience when I need it ahead. But usually people come to me at the brink of burnout. So Mm. we want to then reset. We want to go through a whole health history and find out what are the triggers behind this adrenal pattern of stress, which is where I normally focus. We need to build the body back up. 
We need to identify the emotions and work to release them as best we can. And we also need to find some long standing sustainable strategies. And for me, that begins with the micro resilience. Mm. Because it's a win, isn't it? People feel they can do it. People can fit in. If you set the bar very high, people feel like they fail. Which is just basic human behavior, isn't it? That when Mm. it's big and overwhelming, we resist and we procrastinate. Whereas when it's small and tangible, like what you gave us there, you know, I'm sure that there's some of the listeners like myself was sort of sitting there feeling their collarbones wondering, where is this? Mm. And can I do this? And it's as simple as the ways we think about talking to our children about healthy nutrition. Like I sometimes mm. talk to my son about eat the rainbow. You know, yes. there's no must not eat that because too much sugar in it. It's more like let's eat the rainbow and, and add things in. And that, like you say, it's very powerful to think of how as a, as a bonus effect, some of the things uh, get subtracted rather than focus on the subtraction because that becomes punitive, a penalty that we put on ourselves because some of the things that we also take social enjoyment from eating in a group, preparing a cake, preparing a pudding that may not have the best nutritional content, but it feeds our soul in a different way. That's how I talk about nutrition with my son. Like, yeah, that has a lot of sugar in, so we don't eat that very often, but we like to, but that feels good when we eat it or we take pleasure from it when we eat it. So we just feed the, eat the rainbow more often and we eat those other things occasionally. I think that's great. And I think, I, I totally agree. And I think, what I, I always say, I'm not, people expect when you're a nutritionist, you're going to be kind of wagging the finger and saying, don't eat this, don't eat this. But I love coffee. I love cake. I'm actually not drinking at the minute, but till recently, I've kind of really enjoyed a glass of wine. It is no judgment. And those social and ritualistic and enjoyment moments that are connected to food are part of the fabric of life and this is where we live in balance you know it's about making a decision it's about perhaps prioritizing those moments over the ones that are not worth it you know the eating something because it's there and you haven't had time eating something you know makes you feel bad afterwards because you're kind of in a bad mood or you're low that's where we want to work to help you not do that and again there's no judgment if you do but we want to give you tools so that's not always the choice you make but we also want to put in those celebrations you know this is the fabric of life this is you know look at those look at traditional communities who are centered around food and family and love this is all great we need this as human beings so I think trying to, and maybe not all nutritionists are like that, but most of the ones I know are super foodie, really positive about all of the goodness that we can get from this beautiful, nourishing, you know, joy-making thing. And the the things that are not necessarily doing us so good, we just don't need to focus on those because we're putting in the stuff that makes us feel good and improves our health because it's positive information for the body. Yeah, absolutely. And it's feeding the body with like I said, feeding, feeding it with good emotions, feeding it with good habits, that doesn't mean that we are always perfect or never eat sugar or never eat, mm. never drink caffeine. It's not about the nevers and the always. It's about, the, it's about most of the time and then yeah, choosing exactly. those things, healthy, healthy things most of the time. And, and we're all individuals. So there might be situations where therapeutically we are working with more of a strict protocol, I will say. I'm not going to say the D word, but more because there is some very serious health implications linked to having certain things. And then I sort of see that as a different situation. But when we're talking about, you know, our general everyday balance, we work with the things that are going to support your energy levels, support your health. And this is different for everybody. So, you know, 
this is why there are no blanket rules. And I think this is why people get so confused. You know, I've had people recently come to me, or always, but in particular, saying, well, I was doing keto for a while, and then I moved on to this, and then I did this. So, And then I sort of look and I'll say, but now you're sort of doing all of those things. And actually, as a combination, it's just a very stressful thing for your body to be trying to trying to tick all these boxes is actually unhelpful. So I do feel like, um, you know, trying to simplify things and work individually with what people might need um, is really important. But I think most people don't assume what I try and big headline thing for people is to, I say teach, but to talk about is to see our symptoms, to check in with ourselves and see the things that are coming up in our body as little signals. So it's like you're a car and on your dashboard, you've got a flashing warning light. I think a lot of people now ignore those flashing lights or they take a pill or they push it to one side because the car keeps driving, right? We keep going. We're kind of, you know, still working. But I feel like or we kind of cut the wire to the light to stop it flashing by giving ourselves a pill or a quick fix or a solution. But actually seeing those physical presentations as clues to where we need to look at, what is it we need to do um, before they become a big emergency? You know, we want to catch ourselves early. And if, I can, if we can encourage this kind of preventative, gentle, kind approach to looking, to paying attention to what our body's trying to tell us, then we cannot get to the point where we are, you know, crashing the car in the ditch, which I sort of see as burnout, which is where mm. most people are almost at that point. You know, the symptoms are screaming so, so, so loudly, but we push through. And I think there's a real um, sentiment of we're just going to push through. We'll be OK. I've got all these things going on, but it doesn't matter. But you do matter. And if you can just get in there a little bit earlier, it can be, you know, just finding that balance again it can be a really enjoyable process. It's like you said earlier, when you were talking about your own journey of how hard it is to go into that slow lane and how much we refuse and resist mm. slowing down when you have been high achieving, high striving, running your life in the fast lane. I often talk to my clients about the concept of being speed blind. It can be really difficult to know how fast you're going if you've been keeping mm. that speed up. And someone else on the lost sideline can say, well, actually, you're going far too fast because they're they get the the benefit of perspective of being at a slower pace, but it's really hard to see that when you're in it. It's also addictive. So, you know, mm -hmm. that pattern of adrenaline and those kind of dopamine hits become addictive. So that's the way we know. And that was certainly the case for me. That was the pattern I knew. I pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed, and sometimes it was exciting, and then I crashed. And then I pushed and pushed and pushed again because that was the cycle that I knew, and that's what my body understood. And I think what's really important, and so I do mainly focus around these patterns of, and we talked about the gut-brain access, we call it, I work with the HPA access, which is the hypothalamic um, pituitary access, and that includes the adrenals. So we have the adrenals, the female hormones, the stress hormones, all in this kind of communication system together, and this is where I really focus. So what I find when people are in this fight or flight switched on stage, what we don't really hear very often is what the rest of the body does. And it's going to prioritize your life because by being in fight or flight, it thinks you're in danger. So we do switch down digestion. We don't prioritize making hormones. We don't prioritize fertility. We don't prioritize the immune response. So these symptoms of 
things not going quite right can very often be because our body is not getting the time to do these natural processes. And if we're in that fast lane, we're not even aware of that until it's it's often, you know, becomes quite a more extreme situation. So I, I do think it's really nice to remind ourselves of like the symptoms are there for a reason. Let's take take notice of them early and get all, you know, get things in place. And these things can be really enjoyable. So really not ignoring those physical warning signs, but see them as a as an indication that something needs to be topped up, something needs to be mm. tweaked perhaps, rather than yeah. waiting for the full system crash when you need intervention. And, you know, like you kind of gave the example of maybe the stricter regimes or the D word of diet. I guess mm. that's when it's medicinal, you know, when we need to treat a, a medical problem or condition. That's very different to improving our general well-being and choosing healthy lifestyle is different to you know treating ill health yeah and as nutritional therapists we never treat obviously that would be the medical side but we support mm-hmm. the systems but very often we are working to bring it people to support people at the stages of ill health but if we can but that's because i feel like as a general society we do tend to ignore our symptoms it's quite interesting you know, yes, I've had that for years or, you know, yeah, I've I've struggled with that for years. There's always, you know, I've been told that because it's not um, necessarily a diagnosed condition or you're not at the far end of sickness, it's not necessarily something that you're told to worry about. But I just like to introduce the idea that if we, if you can get in there early and see all those symptoms as little signals going, hello, hello, the more of them we have, the more we can find out clues as to where we can support it. And then, and they can resolve so quickly. And it's so funny. I have so many conversations with people say midway through a program and I'll say, Oh, well, let's just check in about, you know, those sleepless nights. Oh yes. I forgot about those. I haven't had one for ages. And it's so interesting how the body adapts and even forgets those patterns that was sort of causing us so many problems, you know, prior to intervening. Mm-hmm. Like like we said, kind of running a new program in the, in the mm. computer. It's a little bit, you know, odd to begin with. But then you run smoothly on the new operating system and you kind of forgot the one that you've, you've yeah. had before. Yeah. Um, you know, thinking about sort of some of these things that were taken for granted, you know, that the things that you and I and women of our generation would have grown up with, like the, the grapefruit of the 1980s and, the, you know, all of those mm-hmm. things that you had grapefruit diet, which is absolutely oh ludicrous to think that you eat a grapefruit a day. Yeah. I mean, prior to that, you know, there's been so many sort of fads that, you know, of gone it you know and you think about the generational messages that are passed on as well you know things that were passed through our mothers that maybe subconsciously passed through you know the phases mm-hmm. of you know fat being bad for our health and you know we need fat for hormones for brain health the low fat diet fads all of these fads that have been sort of passed through and filtered through and the big message now you know read having read lots of the science and having studied lots of things Actually, the message at the end of that for me is fairly simple, is that we kind of eat as close to nature as possible, eat a very diverse diet, listen to the cues from the body. You know, these are quite sort of simple and, and you know, going back to being quite connected, these these messages. You know, it's just really interesting, isn't it, how we've kind of go full circle through making things very, very complex. And I always like to say to people, read the back of the pack, you know, should I eat this? This is a good thing to eat, they will ask. And I'll say, just have a look at the back. Or if it's in a packet, have a look at the back of the packet. Could your grandmother or grandfather have eaten that? Are they likely to have bought it in their local shop? Mm. You know, no. If the answer is no, if there's ingredients that your grandmother and grandfather wouldn't recognise, it's probably not as supporting 
as something else. But again, it's all in balance. Those things every now and again are not the end of the world. No, and I guess, like you're saying, it's making balanced choices. If you then stand there thinking, I, you know, I'm I'm out somewhere, there's nothing to, to grab. And I'm standing there in the supermarket thinking this this snack bar here has five ingredients I've never heard of. So let's skip that because that's not healthy eating. And then I mm. eat nothing. You know, it's actually we're not wanting to go between sort of letting the pendulum swing from one extreme to the other. It's about on average, it sounds like you kind of the message you really wanted to give here is this kind of on average, you know, on balance rather than every mm. single choice you make is going to be, you know, right or wrong or success or failure. It's not about that. Yeah, no, I think I think you're right. We can't get everything 100% perfect. We can individualize and try and personalize what it is that's best for us just to help things become a bit clearer because I think there is so much mixed messaging. It is worth checking in with somebody to go, what would be right for me? Pay attention to any of the symptoms that are like little messages. Like imagine them like um, uh, little saviors. All of them are like these little people going, please help me, please help me. You know, your symptoms are there trying to get you to feel better. So rather than pushing them aside, just maybe give them a little bit more attention and seek out some support to balance those. You know, it's it's um, it's less about extremes and it's more about listening to the body and, and trying to come back to a place that's very achievable and sustainable for me from my point of view. I love that. And coming full circle to what you shared in the beginning about your own story, how do you find sort of pause and relaxation and switching off now, now that you've had all of this learning and these insights through the EFT? I prioritize it. I 100% prioritize it for me. And I so noticed the difference. In fact, I had, I'm not perfect. And I kind of celebrate that now. I'm like, I quite like to kind of go uh, to show that I'm not perfect and show that I'm doing all the things. But um, a couple of weeks ago, I had a very few busy weeks and all of my little systems, which I'll, I'll tell you about in a minute, sort of fell away a little bit. And I really noticed it. Um, and at the moment, I'm on a bit of a journey trying to get my hormones right. You're kind of coming into my early 40s, everything's shifting, and I'm paying attention. So what is this saying? And how do I get it back on track? But in terms of the things that I do to pause, so I'm I'm a restorative yoga teacher and breathwork practitioner. And I have my own daily um, breath and little mini meditation practice, but it isn't big. I'm not sitting there for hours on top of cliffs or anything like that. It's three or four minutes in the morning and it's, you know, I'll do yoga nidras and longer things at night as and when I can. I'm slightly obsessed at the minute. It's a bit embarrassing with my um, infrared sauna blanket. <laughs> I really, really what, love that what, for my what relaxation. What is that? I want to hear about this blanket. What is that? So it's a far infrared heat and it's, it's a very warm, gentle heat. It's a kind of, it's an infrared sauna, but you can now buy them in a sort of more affordable at home blanket form. And mm. this has just become a little ritual to me. It's after the kids are in bed, you know, relaxing, having my meditation in my sauna and it's gentle heat and it just allows you to kind of, um, it reduces inflammation. It gives you a nice gentle sweat. Um, and I just feel wonderful after it. So this is my, I feel like that is my new guilty pleasure at the moment. Lovely. My weights and exercise class have become since lockdown, something that I really love the way they make me feel. I don't push myself too hard. I definitely had a bit of an adrenal overkill through the first lockdown and I was exercising. I'm not an ex I'm not actually an exercise fanatic at all, but I pushed myself too hard with it over the first lockdown and had a bit of a my own little mini needing to rest time last summer. But now I really prioritize 
my weights and my walking as my own headspace. It's just my space. So that's my kind of downtime, which I love. Mm, that's really, really nice to hear that. When it's not there, I, I notice it. I massively yeah. notice it. Yeah, and we all do that. We we're at times of stress or busyness or overworking, which we all have mm. patterns that we might fall into. It's easy to fall away from your healthy habits, even when you have established them. And then, as I guess, we then think about gently returning back to them when we realize. So, mm. and I think you've talked a lot about also finding your passion and your purpose through this hardship you've mm. been through. So, I want to finish lastly with with play. You know, how do you mm. find play? What's playful for you? I have started to put a fair bit of focus on this because actually I feel like there was a period a few years ago and I was like, hang on, where's the fun? Where's like, surely that's the point. We need to have more fun in the li- in, in our lives. So actually sometimes I, um, I like to encourage people and clients to do a bit of a mind map of how they're going to put self-care in. And I've actually started to encourage play and joy in that. But for me, that is time with my female friends, that is um, time with my boys, time with my family. It's putting in those dates, dancing. It's kind of getting out there and actually putting that in because I find you can get to the end of the week and you've gone, oh, where's all the fun? Where was all the good stuff? Um, and I think particularly through lockdown when we've not had much opportunity for that. So aside from family time, laughing lots with my very funny boys. My husband's actually a comedy writer as well, so we're quite blessed in our house to have a lot of laughter. But I also have really precious time with my female friends. Last week, as soon as we could, we live in Brighton, which is so lucky. So we have outdoor sea swims. We're lucky enough to have a beautiful sauna on the beach in Brighton. So we put that time in um, and I schedule it. I'm very lucky to be able to do that. And it's not consistent, but it's it's treasured when I have it. So really looking forward to it, making space for it, prioritizing it, planning it in and then savoring it when it's happening. So thank you so much for sharing all that wisdom. I'm sure there's lots of listeners who've learned lots about the connections between their emotions and our bodies and thinking differently, perhaps about being more intuitive in their eating choices and food choices rather than shaming themselves and telling themselves that this is taboo and must not. So it's been really, really helpful. I wonder if you can give the listeners a final little parting gift, you know, a permission you want to give them or a pressure you want to take off them. Yeah. So I think giving yourself permission to explore what's behind some of your repeated patterns of behavior and just permission to look into that a little bit deeper. I always see that our triggers or the things that we focus on trying to fix are like little doorways into where we can release. And that's one of the places I often start on my program. So I just invite people, and it's just as simple maybe as even just journaling around it, but permission to explore what's underneath some of these triggers and just seeing them as callings to healing, you know, calling to, okay, this is somewhere that I can release. Beautiful. That's really lovely for you to share that. And I've been so honored to have you on as a guest today. So thank you so much. Where can people find out more about you? Oh, thank you. It's been a pleasure to talk to you today. Um, So you can find me at my website, which is beckmilligan.com, www.beckmilligan.com. Or Instagram is probably the other best place to find me. And there you can find links to all of the things that I'm doing. And that's most regularly updated. So I'm at beckmilligan underscore. And Beck is B-E-C. So beckmilligan underscore. So that's the place, uh, the easiest place to find me. and, And you'll get all the kind of latest information about 
things that I'm doing, workshops, courses, or just lots of um, free content on my Instagram. I do taps and meditations there as well. So you can have a little explore. Fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I'll put all of that in the show notes as well. So thank you again. Thanks, Michaela. It's so lovely to chat. I really appreciate you having me on. Thank you. So there you have it, dear listeners. Understanding the balance between the body and the mind and how it's actually not our fault if we struggle to make healthy choices. And there's no pressure to make healthy choices all the time. It's not about being perfect and having the perfect diet. It's about finding a way to feed your body with good nutrition that makes you improve your well-being. And again, remember what I said, that actually some of this well-being is also about feeding the soul. So do have that cake. Do enjoy that tasty treat that you want to have. Savour it. Really taste it fully with all your senses. And don't worry about whether that is good or bad food. It's a narrative we really want to break free from. It's not about creating taboos. It's about creating permission and allowing to enjoy food because we're social creatures who like to prepare and enjoy food together with others. That's part of being human. So I hope that this has taken some of the pressure off you to get it right all the time and just more about little bits in here and there that you can do to improve your well-being and give your body a chance to rest and recover and break free from those toxic narratives. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it to others. Please rate and review this podcast because that really makes a difference in making it visible to other people. This podcast has grown a lot since I first started it in August 2020. But I know how hard it is for people who are high striving, who don't feel great about themselves, to be open and vulnerable with that with others. So it can feel really difficult to share something. It can feel really difficult to ask for help. But sending a podcast to someone you think really needs it can be really helpful. That means they don't have to say to you, look, I'm really struggling with my eating. Actually sending something to to recommend them can really be helpful. And it also grows the visibility of this podcast which means more high-striving people who struggle to let go of the pressure to be perfect can learn to be kinder and more compassionate with themselves. Until I speak to you next time, do take care of yourself. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode. I know it's not easy when you feel busy and overwhelmed to find time for another thing to do. If this is you, if you feel overwhelmed or that you are close to your breaking point, then I've got a downloadable checklist for you that's going to help. This checklist is called Calm the Overwhelm. The first section has signs and symptoms of you being overwhelmed mentally or physically, showing you that you might be close to breaking point or burning out. The second part is actionable, easy things you can do to try to slow down and give yourself a break. And the third part is a checklist of all the things that might show up when you're asking yourself to take a break. Perhaps your inner critical voice will have an opinion about why you're not allowed to give yourself the permission to pause. To download this free resource, go to www.thethomasconnection.co.uk forward slash calm. So that's the thomasconnection.co.uk forward slash calm. This episode of the Pause Purpose Play podcast was presented by me, Michaela Thomas. 
and you can find me on thethomasconnection.co.uk. And because great work rests on having a great team, this episode was kindly edited by Emily Crosby Media.